Well, we're working through uh, Genesis, and uh, remember, I'm not looking at the scientific view of anything. I'm not looking at whether it was seven days built. I, I honestly do not enjoy those de- debates because really, honestly, it doesn't matter. You can say, you can tell me that carbon dating tells us how long and where the dinosaurs came in. It, to me, it's just, it, it's something that uh, if you want to find the answer to that, just be prepared that you're wrong when you get to heaven. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of questions. I wonder when the dinosaurs came in. I wonder if they were on the ark. And some people say, oh, yeah, they were on the ark. We don't know unless you're really, 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 really old and you saw it. Uh, we don't know and we'll never know. And there's so many things that we like to take God and put him in a box and say, oh, here's how you did it. And God goes, even if you figured it out that I gave you the brain to figure it out, then you need to understand that. By the time you get to heaven, I could change it all with a snap of my fingers and that's just, and I may do that to you just to make you. So there are some people that are stuck on these scientific things. My thing is, why did we, why is Genesis there? It's to help us know who we were, help us know who, who, or who we are, help us know who God is, and to help us know how this all got started and that it takes a lot of faith to believe in Christ and it takes a lot of faith to believe and trust in that we have this word. So I'll start out with Proverbs. You'll see it a lot this summer. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's the basis of how you read any scripture. You just got to trust the Lord. There's many questions that we have in there. And so we have to be very careful that we don't let those questions overwhelm us or if we can't get the answers, it takes away our faith. And so uh, trust in the Lord in your heart and lean not on your understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your uh, you'll, he'll make, uh, make straight your paths. In other words, just say, hey, God, how can I live through this day? How can I live through this moment? And, and then we go to Genesis chapter two, 2. We read it to chapter 3, even though those three, I, I don't know how they did the, uh, the chapters or how they broke it down. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. But we know that we finished up chapter 1, and then we chapter 2, all the way to verse 3, kind of, kind, of, kind of brought that beginning uh, of what we looked at uh, to closure. And so now we go to chapter 2, verse 4. It says, And these are the generations of the heavens and the earth, and when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. I want to remind you, I'm going through a few words with you in, in the Hebrew. Remember, it was a Hebrew language, and so what that means is, remember, we've learned, out, we learned that there were, they were all, Hebrew words were mainly what? Anybody remember? Mainly verbs, and so not a lot of nouns, 900 verbs, and that's, that's difficult to understand. So anytime a word is used in Scripture, there's a first mention. That's what it's talking, either a first mention or a first word. Now, look up here. This is nerdy. Every word that you read up here, you go, well, that's the same word as what I read over there, and I'm going to show you that it's not. Uh, the word made in the first two, three chapters can you can look at the word made four times and it can actually have three different meanings. Does that make sense? And so I'm going to help you with those because those words, you can't use the word made and we understand it, but man, this, it's, they were more detailed to understand. And each time they, they used a word, you can actually go back and do a study on, uh, on this word and go, uh, go, okay, that word was used only four times in Scripture. And when it was used those four times, it was used around certain other words or certain other statements. So we know that's what they meant. And there were some words that were used, uh, the same word that was used four times around this statement, it also means this word. And this word uh, that helps the same word that this word is, it was used 27 times. So in other words, we look at these words, the theologians look at these words, and they say, well, what, is that, what does that word mean? Well, the 27th one is going to tell us when it's used, that's probably the meaning of it. 
mainly. And then some of them are like two times, one time, four times. And it's the same word, but it's used for different words for us. But you'll understand as I'm going through this what that means. And it's good for you to know that because this morning, I believe this message for us is about your self-identity. Anybody who says, oh, I'm going to commit suicide, they don't understand their self-identity. They don't understand what's going on in, in their life. They don't understand who their God is and who... I, I think this whole, as I was reading, I was going, wow, God, you just lined out for us that all of us are built to last. We're built to last for something. That everything about us was pretty incredible. And we're going to look at that. And it described man and it described woman, women and, and how it was... And I look at that and go... Wow, this has a lot to do with if you only knew who you were. We do a lot of things. Which is, we do a lot of things because we're ashamed of ourselves, right? Being shamed or ashamed can cause anger issues to rise up. Being shamed or shamed can cause your self-esteem to go down, and that's where you can drop in depression. All those things are linked to how do you see yourself through God's eyes, and that is one of the things I believe that is just in this, the, the, the words that we're going to be reading, you'll just see it. And I'm going to help bring that out. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. All right, here we go. It says this, and, and uh, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Uh, uh, and the heavens. Bara is this Greek word. It means the made, that, that made the, is mean to be, this is how God brought it about. So it was made, brought about. Well, for us, how it was made means so much more, doesn't it, in our vernacular day? But that word right there, here's how God brought about all of a sudden putting people on earth. He brought about it. So when it says, that Hebrew word means, hey, he brought about this. He brought about the genealogy of, of, of understanding who the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit was when he said, let us make men. Right? This is how, how the world was made. And then now he says, we're about to tell you how we, remember we, last week we brought about animals. We brought about vegetation. We brought about, so he's saying, this is how God brought about all these people. Here's how God brought about everything that we're going on. And it says this, and when no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. So other thing that we read last week, he had made everything, and now it's just sitting there, and he's made it for us so that we can bring glory to him. You have to understand that. It was all made for us. To bring glory to who he is. Man was not made yet. And what they're saying is, God said, well, I, can't, I don't have any work it, so I'm going to water this. I'm going to take care of this land. And so that's what it says. It says, uh, there's no one to, to work the ground. And, and, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. I think that's really interesting. It was a mist that was coming up. Uh, it was a mist that was coming up, and it began to water the vegetation. I can almost see God saying, here it is. Now let's green this baby up because I am about to make the center of my creation. The most important part was not what I just had done in, in seven days. I'm about to make man. And then it says this. It says, uh, then the Lord God formed. Now, I want you to learn this, formed. Now, we would use the word made, formed. Then the, then, the, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now, in this Hebrew word, it's real interesting. The word formed is like four to five times, but any time that Hebrew word was made, it was almost uh, nine times, which is the most times, it was made to understand like a potter. That's what that word. So what you got to do is he had created everything, but this word's different. And he said, listen, I formed it. He took man and he made him. He formed him. 
he was like a potter going, here's what I want this man to be like. I want him to be in our image. I want him to have a soul. That's what that means. I want him to have uh, an understanding that he can have a spirit eventually inside of him. Or he did at first, and then uh, uh, we still had the soul. But what happened is, uh, you know, we sinned, and that's going to be next week. And then it's not like that spirit left us. It's just that purity left us. But we still had a soul. We still had a passion. We still had all these things. And when it says living creature, look at this. When it says living creature, it says he was like a potter. That's a Hebrew word that God made us, formed us, took time for us. And this word living creature is actually, it looks like two words to us, but it's one word in the Hebrew. And it says this, it's a soul, it's living being, it's life. These are all the words that are around when you look at this Hebrew word. It has passion, there's an appetite, emotion. So when he formed us, that's why... We struggle with what our purpose is, and we struggle with relationships because we have a soul. We have this appetite of something that we're called to do. Does that make sense? We have a passion. That's why some of you are passionate about yard work, and some of us are passionate about eating. Some of us are passionate about uh, uh, engineering, and some of us are passion, uh, passionate about taking those plans and putting them to action. Some of us are passionate about building. All that is, as God said, I formed you it's like a potter. This Hebrew word, I made you to have a soul. I want you to be this living being. I want you to be this person that has desires and passions. I want you to have an appetite for life, an appetite to move forward, an appetite, watch this, for me to hang out with God. Not me, but they're saying, God's saying, hey, hang out with me. That's what I, I want you to have this appetite for me, and I want you to have emotion. I want you to have this emotion. That's, those two words for us is really one Hebrew word. And then it says this, and the Lord God planted a garden. Now that garden, it was in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. The word garden is basically this. We know that it was an area, and he describes it in just a few minutes. It was an enclosure. That's what that, more, uh, that means. The word garden that we understand in the Greek, or in, the, in, in, in our language, well, before that, the word enclosure really had more usage when this Hebrew word than garden. And so we know that he enclosed them. Isn't that interesting? He enclosed them in this little area, you know, uh, and, and said, here's where you're going to stay, and it's going to be enough for you. It says this, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every, uh, made, uh, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. You see that? Pleasant to the sight. That's before they made man. It's before we made man. He's going, listen, I'm going to make this pleasant for the sight. For the sight of who? For the sight of God and the sight of who? Us. And good for what? Food. It's going to take care of you. God didn't eat food. I mean, he can eat it if he wants. I mean, it's his. But he has no need of anything. It says, pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life, now watch this. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, the enclosure, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's break these words down. And by the river on the bank, on one side, on the other, will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail, and they will bear every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. And the fruit, did y'all notice that we changed the, the uh, did anybody notice that we even changed out of Genesis? See, what I want you to see is that uh, this understanding of the tree of life has been written about several times in Scripture. And this is in, talking about it's in Ezekiel. But look what it says about this. So what I want you to show you is that when we look at the tree of life, you say, well, what was it for? Now watch this. Don't lose me. 
What was it for? Ezekiel had described it this way. He said, and it was repeated later on in Revelation. We're going to read that. Their water flows from the sanctuary, from God, and their fruit will be for food. I love this. And their leaves for healing. That's what Ezekiel had written about heaven, what it's going to be. And he talked about the tree of life. And he said, this, this tree is a life giver. Its leaves are healing. It's kind of like, come on, in the hot summer day when you're going, oh, Lord, it's so hot. Of course, down here, if you walk under a tree, it really doesn't help. But in most places, you walk under a tree and you go, oh, man. But it really does help, doesn't it? It still is humid, but you gain shade. It almost brought healing to your body, and that's this tree. It was full of life. It was where people went to be nourished. That's what God wanted with the tree of life. It, it always had fruit. Every month it was fruit. And I always wonder, well, why did it say every month? We know it. Every month? Does anybody have a tree that grows fruit every month? Every, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Uh, our economy wouldn't know what to do. We'd all be putting fruit trees in our, in, you know what I'm saying? We, we, every month. And you wonder, is it the same fruit? We don't know. The questions for heaven. Maybe this month he's going to go, uh, bananas. And that tree was just, maybe he's going to go apples. Maybe it's going to be grapes. You're going, wait, this is not a grape tree. A grape is that. Okay, God can do what he wants. All I know is that tree meant life. And he put it there. He didn't put it there for himself. He put it there for you and me. And look at this. It says, even in Revelation, it talks about heaven. And it says, down the middle of the great street of the city, the city of God, it says, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. Isn't that awesome? There's this tree of life in heaven on each side. Uh, it says, uh, and bearing 12 crops of fruit. See? See, back then it talked about it in Ezekiel. Then it says, yielding its fruit every month. It repeated that. It said, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So when we think about the tree of life, it was a, for healing for us. And God, God knew what man was going to do. You know? And he said, you're going to come back to this tree. You need this tree. And this tree today, I believe, would represent who? Yeah. It represent Christ. That he's the one that heals our hearts. He's the one that heals nations. He's the one that gives us life. Look at this. So it says this. I want you to know this. The tree of life was an actual tree. It was a source of joy and of healing. It stood for the blessings of eternal life, which God would have given to Adam and Eve and their descendants if they would have been obedient. It's a picture of why Christ came. Here's, here's the enclosure. Watch this. Everybody look. Here's the enclosure, Adam and Eve. Tree of life. Tree of good and evil. You need this. Don't do this. Trust this. You need something. You need healing. Uh, go to that tree. Right? You, you, go to that tree. And for us, if you need something... Here's how, watch this. here's how you live on this earth. The Bible tells us, live by the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible tells us, here's the enclosure. You've got to forgive. The Bible tells us, here's the enclosure. Listen, you've got to be kind. Here's the enclosure. There is only one way to heaven, and that is that tree. And that tree now in our life is Jesus Christ crucified, raised up from the dead. That's what that tree represented. And that's what Jesus represents in our life. It says this, but they weren't obedient. We're going to look at that next week. And out of the ground, the Lord God made, this, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant. Now I'm going back to Genesis. To the sight and, uh, and, 
and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Let's look at good and evil. Watch this. The word, uh, the word death uh, is adaf is a Hebrew word that means knowledge. And remember, when you look at these words, these are the words that were underneath that word in Hebrew. Some of them had anything you see on the first, see the word concern? That was the most used word to understand. Everybody with me? This is good. This is good stuff. Not because I wrote it. It's just good. And then as you go down, it means knowledge, premeditation, skill, truth. And that word unintentionally was in there. Around that Hebrew word is this understanding that there's this unintentional. So in other words, you know, you, 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 we got to look at it and go, well, why, why was that word surrounding that Hebrew word? Why did that, why was that attached? And any time that word in, in, in the Old Testament in Hebrew was used, it has this understanding of uh, unintentionally. Why was that around there? Even if it were only four times, it was attached to this Hebrew word. I think there are some sins that were unintentional. If not so, when you read Leviticus, they did all... Remember this? If, if you know your Bible, in Leviticus, they, they started doing all these laws, uh, all these things. If you do this, here's what you do. If you do this, here's what you do. If you sin, you do this. What type of sin? If you have an affair, here's what you do. If you have, uh, if you have uh, walked out in public naked, here's what you do. If you have been a drunkard, here's what you do. And you have to, you have to make these sacrifices. But the last one that's in there is what? The unintentional sin. So that's why if I drive down the highway and I pass a sign that says 55, but I'm going 75 because I haven't seen a sign lately and everybody else is speeding, if a cop pulls me over, he's going to go, you were speeding. And I said, I thought it was 55, unintentional. Well, I'm still going to write you a ticket. It doesn't matter whether it was unintentional. Right? There are things that we do that we don't realize are sin, is sinful. And so that's unintentional. And I think that may attach itself to this understanding of knowledge. I put this, this tree of knowledge, even what, you're, when, what you don't understand is right or wrong. But just, so people who don't know Christ, who thought they knew Christ, who just go to church from time to time, and, you know, they, they, know, they love God, but they really don't know God personally, and they're living a life. And then finally they come to know Christ, and they go, wow, I read my Bible for the really first time, and I didn't know that this was wrong. That's what Christ died for. That unintentional sin that you didn't know. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. And so it's really interesting when I began to study this that that word was attached to it. Um, then the word tab is a good, uh, good thing. The word tab, the, the, the tree of, of, of good and evil. Good thing, benefit, welfare. That's that Hebrew word. That's what it means. It means there's a tree of good things. Which is, there's a tree that will benefit you. There's a tree that will give you good welfare. He said, I've given you these things, but don't touch it. Don't touch those. And then I'll put the tree of evil. And most people say, why did he put that there? You knew he'd gravitate to it because he made us in his image. And he doesn't want us to choose him based on only fear, to choose him based on only uh, 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 just all. He wants us to choose him based on I need you. I can't live without you. Right? So I'm going to give you a choice. And that's why it's there. It says, uh, and this word evil is a, is a Hebrew word, ra, which means evil. It's, it's, and here's all the words that are, which is, remember, every time it's used in Hebrew, it may have something around it that tells us what it, what it is. And these are the words, distress. Look at this. 
or distress, misery, injury, calamity. Anybody ever been there? Because you make a bad mistake and you go, so much calamity in my life. That's because we touched the tree, right? And we're still touching the tree. We're still reaching out and grabbing from it. We're still putting ourselves in misery. and We're still putting ourselves in distress because we don't trust God and we're not obedient to him. Then it says this, and a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and they're dividing it. He began to describe this. I'm not going to focus on this because uh, it's something that it's more of history and study, and we don't know where these places are except some of them. And so they're divided, but we want to read it. And became four rivers. And the name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedalum and Ant stones are there. And the name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of that third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Syria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And it just starts describing these different rivers. How we look. And the Lord took, God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the enclosure, the garden. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And this word die right here, muff, it means to die. And I added this. I believe death. Everybody look at me. I believe the moment of death without Christ, this is what death is. It's to be totally separated from God. Why? Because what happened is, they sinned, and he said, boom, you're now going to live this life of death, and I'm going to help you through all these ways that we read about in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. This is how you're going to get life back into you, by sacrificing to me, by trusting me, by being obedient, right? Remember the whole Old Testament, the whole Bible can be summed up in one word. I say it all the time. Everybody remember what I always say? It can be summed up in one word, I believe. It's my word is this. It's redemption. How can I redeem what has left me? How can I redeem, right? You go through all the Old Testament. We're going to read some of those once we get into Genesis about he was constantly redeeming his people. So this, this thing is going to be separation from God. And then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should not be alone. I will make a helper for him. Now, this word helper is really means to be in front of, in the sight of. To be opposite of them. So he says, I'm going to make somebody that you can, that can be in your sight. I'm going to make somebody that is opposite of you. You know, this is why it's very easy for me to say, I will love you and accept you as a homosexual, but I won't accept your lifestyle. Because what you don't understand is that if God would have said, hey, listen, we needed you, and he would have made all men or all women. But he made something that said, you need a helper, and the helper is a woman. The opposite of us is woman, the, the one that mirrors. We look into a mirror, and we go, wow. He said, I need somebody. Uh, he's lonely. But look what happened. Here's what we skipped out. It says, now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So now he's knowing. Remember it says before, before a woman was made, he said, man, he's not, he's not taken care of. Let's make these animals. Let's make these things. 
Look at this. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was named. I mean, he named every creature Adam. I love that comedian that at the beginning he had these great names. Have you all seen him? I can't remember who it was where he said, can you imagine Adam naming the animals? It just made me laugh every time I saw it. So in case he, uh, an animal walked up and he'd go, elephant. And he just, you know, elephant. You remember see that guy? And he came up and said, I will call this giraffe. And then by the third day, all these animals, an animal walks in front of me. I love what he did. He goes, I don't, cow? You know, because he had to name all those animals. I mean, he ran out of names. Frog? I mean, what's, uh, where are these name, different names come from? So it says, wherever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to the, uh, every beast of the field. But, the, but for Adam, there was not found an opposite. There was not found somebody to mirror him, somebody to help him. And so here's what he did. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place. There's a lot of theological uh, theology people like to camp out on the word rib. We'll deal with that later on. <laughs> It says, and the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made. Now, this is real. See that word made? If you're with me, say, oh, yeah, because I'm about to teach you something. That word made is a different Hebrew word. It's the first time that's mentioned in the Bible. It's different than the other made. Here's what it means. It means to build. And every time, look, every time that Hebrew word was used in the Bible, 177 times, it was to build. Now, when we talk about our self-image, you have to understand. Ready? If the first one meant to be like a potter, right? The second one, ladies, he built you. 177 times he formed you. He built you. It was a different word. You were so special. I believe this, that God said, man, I'm going gonna, I'm I'm gonna to use this first Hebrew word, and I'm going to say, I'm building this. And to build something takes time. To build something, know you exactly know what it's used for. And if most women and men would know that the potter has made you, and most most women would know that you were built. It was a ladies, and, and don't listen, most people make that fun. Well, God took the best parts of man and made woman. Well, if that's true, I've heard guys say that, and I'm going, Oh, okay, now you just explain why we're so bad. But all I know is he said, Man, I'm gonna take a little bit of this. And I'm going to build something very specific. Which is for my glory. You should be proud of who you are. We struggle with self-identity. This whole world struggles with it. We don't like the way we look. We don't like the way we are. We don't like the way uh, we're the height. We don't like our hair. We don't like everything. Listen, it's as if you looked at God and said, you know what? The day, the day that you, when you built me, you really messed up. You know what? God doesn't mess up. He built you. First Hebrew mention. And if we could get people to understand that they're built. Ladies, you're built. Men, you are sculpted. Look. And then the man said that this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Look. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. I really believe in that. There's some mamas that don't want to let go of their kids, and there's some fathers. You know what I'm saying? It's time to let go. No, I'm serious. You just can't. This is, that's your wife. And you are his wife, and he's your husband, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. 
Why was that in there? And that word ashamed is exactly what it is in the Hebrew. Shamed. They would look at one another and there was no shame. There was no, hey, you know, if we were to still be in, in naked land out here, most of us would just be shamed the whole time. <laughs> now, I'm being honest with you. Even some of you going, you're, people going, I'm fat. You're going, no, no, this is fat. You're not fat. Right? And so what happens is we work out there, and it was, we, there was no shame. Nobody looked at one another. And they didn't have to put on a leaf and say, did I look good in this? Until we talk about next week that they did, and then all of a sudden they had to put on a leaf. And then the, the husband, Adam, would probably go, that leaf's kind of tight on you, honey. <laughs> well, that wasn't happening because they didn't have to wear leaves. There was no shame. Isn't that beautiful? And you know what? I know it sounds crazy because we've never experienced it, but I think it would be pretty amazing if there was no shame on this earth. If there was no shame, you know what? You know what else? We, we wouldn't have the issue with race. Right? There wouldn't be an upper and a lower. We'd just all be living together. You go, Pat, you're living in a la-la land. Look, everybody look at me. That la-la land existed. And I was made for it. And now that I'm not there, I'm not in it, I reach for the tree of life, which is my relationship with Christ and what he did for me. And the only way I would get past shame, the only way I would get past the low self-esteem, the only way I will get past my hurt, the only way I will get past the anger out of whatever has happened to me is that I embrace the tree of life, which is, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And every month, every moment, he will give me fresh fruit, which is how to learn, how to live. And every month, I can run under the shade tree of who he is. See, it's my only hope. You know, it's our only hope. So, here's what I want you to look. That God knitted, formed, built, made, and fashioned me to live a life of joy on this earth. He made this earth for me to live in and enjoy his presence through everything I experience. And there is more to my life than meets the eye. I am unique and, and made to bring glory to God. And I must love my creator and myself, his intentional creation. You want to walk away with this week? This is it. You are his intentional creation. And everybody that you see that is messing up, they are God's intentional creation. I close with this. Remember in Psalm 139, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together. Knitting, it takes a lot of time. That's what God made us and built us and formed us. It says, this, it says, I praise you for I am fearfully, that word awesome, fearfully, awesomely made, and wonderfully. The word wonderfully in that Hebrew word means I am, not all wonderfully means wonderfully. It means on this word, it means distinctive. I am awesomely and all made by God for a distinctive purpose. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. It almost sounds arrogant. Wonderful are your works. Yeah. No. He's saying Wonderful, God, I will accept that I'm made for a purpose, and I will not be arrogant with what you've made, but I will give you glory. Listen, through it. And then this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in a secret, in, in strictly woven, woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, well, they saw my unformed substance. 
in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So what I want you to walk away with today is, you know, well, you're made, you're formed, you're built. Don't let people tell you who you are. Let your father tell you who you are. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah.